Fuck pain, fuck heartbreak. I'm still in love with life. From the multicultural headquarters of the future capital of the free-thinking states of America known as Los Angeles, this is the Drunken Dows Podcast. Tonight, the last show of a year gone mad, as Bellelli and I search for hope in a world without compromise by identifying things we all agree on, like we love our kids and good food, humans are specialists in complicating shit, and fighting the creative resistance is really hard. Plus, a scathing review of 14-year-old Bellelli's first novel by the 14-year-old author. Here we go. And now, asking you all to spread the words that corporations are not persons, I'm Rich Evers. And my partner in crime, the savage philosopher and middle finger of the gods, Daniele Bellelli. As we invite you to lower the lights, batten down the hatches, and prepare to open your mind for the Drunken Dows podcast begins now. All righty, here we go. La, 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 la. Welcome back, everybody, to another fun episode of the Drunken Dows podcast, episode 193 from the gorgeous secret confines in Ojai, California. Yes, Daniele Bellelli across from me. It's another gorgeous day, a little cool, but breezy and wonderful. We barely made it. It has been so windy the other night yeah. that knock pieces off uh, the not roof, whatever this thing is called. What the hell is this? Uh, this is like a, a patio. Yeah. So in any case, there's wood flying everywhere. There's like trees bending. Trees bend over. It's crazy. Uh, internet was gone for two days. It what? was yeah, yeah. The winds played a number. That there. actually had to be kind of great. Yeah. But um, on that happy note, let's jump in into this introduction. Let's say thanks to a few people keeping us in business through their wonderful donations. Starting with the good folks at grasslandbeef.com. Oh. Did you get to cook the stuff you got last time? We, uh, we made a stew the very first day, and the other one is waiting for its moment, which will probably Beautiful. be right around Christmas. So check them out, grasslandbeef.com. They have super high quality products please check them out uh also thank you to zebra athletics for providing these great mats that i got in my garage that i've now made my homemade dojo with um i love that i got order to print a logo uh the yin yang with the feather it's beautiful i love that place so makes me happy if you are considering your own home gym check out zebraathletics.com Always thank you to Shore Design for their beautiful t-shirts and the folks who keep drunk into the drunken Taoist, Aum Cellars and MaterraWines.com. Two different Napa Valley growers making brilliantly good wine, Aum Cellars and MaterraWines.com. We should find out when the next set of bottles come new for the next year and go do one up there. Right, that would be fun. In fact, once COVID is over, I would really love to take a trip out there and visit these guys. That's fun up there. We just recorded uh, the intro-outro to the previous episode a couple of days ago, so the number of people donating in the meantime is a resounding one. So we want to thank you, Mr. Frederick Hahn, Wow, for, uh, solo, so nice. Yes. If you want to join in the list of sweet folks who support the show, please go to paypal.me forward slash dbolelli, paypal.me forward slash the letter D and my last name, B-O-L-E-L-L-I. Or another way to go about it is to go at dbamazing.com. Dbamazing. And anything you get on Amazon from that point forward, we get a little cut of it which is a very sweet concept since you don't have to spend anything extra dbamazing.com is the way to go if you shop on Amazon last chance for Christmas cards Kiva cards Kiva.org get the $25 uh, initial loan uh, allotment give it to your nephews give it to your kids I had somebody write me the other day said he's doing it for his uh, corporatistic uh, children to teach them a lesson about giving and helping the world and you can do the same so come join us at Team Drunken Taoist at Kiva.org Sweet. And with that, let's start this episode. Here we go.
So, my good man, let's get rolling. Excellent. Um, friend of mine from Italy named Andrea Pennacchi wrote something. I'm going to read it to you. Keep in mind it's a quasi-Google Translate because I didn't have quite the time last night to clean it up and give it the proper translation treatment. But it's his modest proposal to convince that really young people shouldn't be sent to fight in wars. It's old people who should be fighting wars. Oh, now you're talking. Let the old people go to war. Leave the young people at home. Let, their, let them vent their youth in a ring. Let them fuck lovers and get drunks. Let them make plans for the future. Send the old people to fight. Me too. Ten years from now, when my daughter will not want to deal with me and my wife will be happy to see that I have a hobby. <laughs> we never sleep. We're always pissed at the world. You pump us with painkillers, you give us an automatic gun, and we'll be deadly, goddammit. Death is not going to take us for exhaustion, or the chains of old age is not gonna, are not going to tie us to a bed. No bed sores, IV, catheters, intensive therapy. Death would come as a friend. A beautiful, heroic death for your motherland or whatever the fuck else you want to believe in. We are slaughter meat. We are good to jump on a mine or a be a sniper target. We are as good as the young ones, even better. Old people are the warriors of the future. Let the old people go to war. Sign me up. <laughs> you know the problem. Tell me. Is um, grumpy old people will be like, let's go kill those bastards. But as long as it's who we feel like killing. Yeah. It's not, you know, the good thing about the young ones is you indoctrinate their minds to uh, obey, obey. You're not going to have that. Right. So, but, you know, you get enough of us together and you want us to go over to Shetsy land and take care of the problem happily. Right. Because it's like when the alternative is uh, bad Rotting source. away. And, yeah. It's like, yeah. yeah, give me an AK and let's go. Hell yeah. Yeah. That was pretty funny. I, uh, I think he's onto something. And, you know, the English translation is not terrible, but the Italian version was so good that I was reading it and laughing my ass off when I read it because it was brilliant. It was just, I dig it. And I think, you know, it goes back to that old time uh, Theodore Roosevelt approach, right? It's like, if I, as a politician, make a decision to go to war, then I should be first in line to fight the war. Yep. Otherwise, I'm just a hypocrite sending riling people up going we should have this great heroic war that you guys are gonna fight but Good I'm gonna luck. cheer you on and we'll wave a flag from over yeah, here it's like no that doesn't work motherfucker if you no. want it you do it otherwise don't ask somebody else to do it for you he wasn't afraid man he got up there and I guess his real tragedies were when his sons yep. got killed in World yep. War One. absolutely no I mean and in fact Speaking of Roosevelt, he was nuts. I mean, he oh, yeah. literally had never seen a war he didn't like. <laughs> and there were some issues when it comes to that part of his policies. Yeah. He had many great policies. That was not one of them. No. But at least he was honest about it. At least he was straight. Like, at least he put his own body on the line, which is more than you can say from all the evil fucks who are sending everybody else to go fight their fight. I don't know. I was reading about these... Uh... They're quick to sell a bunch of arms to different places. So that Democratic senators uh -huh. from Arizona voted to allow this to happen because that's where Raytheon is, and Raytheon is where the fucking of course. drones are built. Of course. Drones are built. Yeah, yeah. This is what we do. We yeah. build drones. Of course. Money. It boils down to the good old-fashioned money. It's just inescapable. Yeah. It's and... Someone had a great thing on the internet the other day. Like, you made $50 million, and if you were taxed at 50% when it was over, you uh -huh. still have $25 million in the bank. Yeah. You make $60,000, and they take 30%. Right. Now you got $42,000 in the yeah. bank. The, who are we fucking crying for? Yeah, 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 of course. Yeah, the percentages are somewhat a little tricky there. Yeah. Hey, tell everybody about the letter you got from our vineyard friends. Oh, man, I have a story for you. I introduced my dad to History on Fire, specifically Fear and Loathing in Mongolia. He loved it. Then he checked out the Drunken Taoist. He's a 75-year-old Methodist Republican, so now he won't listen to any of your shows. <laughs> <laughs>
Don't start at the first. I think that's what he did. Start in the middle. I mean, I don't think he. I think he would last, you know, one episode before he eats the stuff that makes him go insane. There's something that's worth playing with that has a bit of a Taoist theme to it because it's really about balance rather than black and whites. You know, we are chatting before we started recording about the way in which ideology plays into the political landscape. Yep. I mean, what do you think? Because it seems... I mean, I think we all agree that right now is near impossible in U.S. to have a discussion about anything vaguely related to politics. Because if you tell somebody, hey, no, whatever, like the dumbest thing in the world, everything gets turned political. Yep. Everything becomes an issue. I have a whole long sprawling theory about ideologies a disease and contributes to this. But what's your read on this? We're so locked in now. It's exactly what you said. It's almost like if you could go into some sort of echo chamber where all stripes of blue and red dissolved and there were mm-hmm. no D or R's connected to and make decisions that way, and I think that's what you're kind of thinking about, Yeah, things could actually happen. Yeah. But we're never going to let go of it. I mean, just to see... Okay, let's explore that then. The fingernails dug in even over this election count. Mm-hmm. I mean, it just... It really is almost like a, it really is a cult that they're so willing to believe anything yeah. that I don't know how you ever get to that point. Because, you know, was it a grander time back when Tip O'Neill and Ted Kennedy could make deals across the aisle and, and make things happen and work? It was. But from like Tea Party forward, where if you spend an extra nickel on anything yeah. and the austerity stuff that went into play. Totally. I, I don't know how you ever get around that because I'm with I, I. I think what you were saying is the differences are not that far apart, but we get so ensconced into our positions that we don't want to give an inch. Sure, because that would be oh we're getting we're being beaten. And I mean, even when the differences are that far apart. Right. It's like, what do you do? Because unless you wipe out an entire percentage of the population, you're going to have to make deals. You're going to have to make compromises. It just doesn't. The whole no compromise work, the whole no compromise attitude works if you eliminate the opposition, which is, you know, I I think I'm a few days behind starting to advocate genocide. I don't think that's quite a good idea, you know? No, that doesn't ever end up well. in light of that, then it becomes something where you do have to make deals, you have to make compromises. And uh, the way you do it is, like, you do it in anything, is you go back to basic, is what are the things that you all agree on? Hey, you like your kids too? Yeah, I like my kids. I kind of like them to have a world that they can live in. Hey, you like good food? Yeah. You know, you go back to the stuff that ultimately is what 95% of people's days are made of. They're not made of ideology. They're not made of arguing about, well, with social media now, maybe maybe they are. But, you know, it's like if you strip that away, typically people are, you know, it's very back to basic. You want to live in a nice place. You want your kids to be okay. You want to eat good food, that kind of stuff. So then at that point is, as long as we agree on certain basic goals that are not even ideological, they're just basic stuff that all human beings need, the question becomes, how can we deliver those goals in a way that you are happy with and I'm happy with, with the least amount of mutual annoyance possible in the process? And some of it, I think the reason why I say ideologies are a disease is like, Take, for example, the socialist capitalist divide, but you can take any other. There are 10 million other variations on that, right? There pretty much is no system that is 100% pure capitalism or 100% pure socialism. Everything is a bit of a mix of each. There is private property. There is a free enterprise in that direction. There's also anywhere other than Somalia, pretty much. There's a state, there's a government that take taxes, that reallocate resources in a way for society at large. So you do have those basic concepts at play. And even then, you know, people assign different meanings to those words, but taking the loosest possible meaning of it all. Every system is a mix of different forces. 
So what people are arguing about in reality is not a yay capitalism, screw socialism, or vice versa. What they're arguing about is percentages. Is do I want it to be a system that's 80% capitalism and 20% socialism, or do I want it to be 60-40, or do I want it to be... And if we're talking numbers, those are discussions that are so much easier to compromise on. Because it's like, oh, I think this could work, but you don't. Okay, let's figure out how can we can work with the numbers to come to a comp decent compromise. The problem is that we don't have those discussion in those terms of percentages, of balance. We have it as a holy crusade of that ideology is evil. This is the good one. So there can be no compromise. They are the enemy of everything that's holy and good. Which A, is not the way life works. And B, again, then you need to wipe... If they are the enemy of everything that's holy and good, then you need to wipe them off the face of the earth. You cannot make compromises with the enemy and then you no productive political discussion can ever happen because it becomes just this factional tribal thing where our side needs to be the winning one kind of thing. Which is where we find ourselves <clears throat> trapped right now. Yeah. And things are so swirled together. I mean, when you talk about these capitalists, mm -hmm. there's no more socialism in the world than when it comes to bailing out these capitalists. Of course. So when that's when it's time for that, oh man, there's not enough money in the world yeah. to be given away. Yeah. But when you're in a moment when the people are literally going to starve, I'm afraid we don't have any money for that. Yeah, I mean, the corona thing is hilarious because they frame it as a fight between people who are pro-health directives uh, versus people who say, hey, I need to make a living. Now, both of those are legitimate. Yep. You want to make sure that there are some health things that are taken care of, and you want to make sure that people can do their business and make a living. If you ask people to stay home, and you can make a good argument for why that is the case, yeah. that's great. Pay them. Then. Pay them. Just, like every country in yeah, Europe. Exactly. There's just, it's very easy. Yeah. Everybody gets their rent paid. All the bills are on time. Everything churns along. Yeah. And they can print money till the end of time. And in that sense, at that point, is like, okay, people can relax and suddenly the mental health challenges that come with the closures are not as bad because yep. the whole economic part is removed from the picture. Yep, everybody is just going to be maintained. Yeah. So, so we can fight this thing so people can stay home. I was in Santa Paula last week, a few days ago. Yeah. Because um, of all things, this place had deconstructed um, chandeliers. Mm -hmm. So they had these amazing rainbow casting crystals one of which you might see in the near future but for a dollar and we're like why don't we buy all of them and we didn't really want to go back out right but we did and it was all pretty good but as the uh transaction was wrapping up i went into this store next door it's another one of these little antique stores yeah. and inside that store was this jack hole no mask yapping on and on about i ain't gonna close blah 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 sure. blah and the lady that was there was trying to help me. I was like, look, just make sure he knows he just lost a sale yeah. from his big flapping mouth. And I, I agree with you. I don't think you probably shouldn't have to shut down. Sure. And that's pretty crazy. Right. But you should do at least the minimum amount and put a fucking mask on. Right. See, and those are those two pieces. They'll yeah. never fit together. Yeah, because then it becomes ideological. It becomes uh, suddenly wearing or not wearing a mask, or even like the C-listing become a, a badge of identity, becomes part of somebody's... And I think in some sense, you know, why do people do it, this stuff of ideology? Because it's interesting. Even if you go back to the beginning of the United States, one of the things that was thrown out there at the foundation of the U.S., I forget who said it, but there were a few politicians who argue, look... I don't think we should create political parties. There should be individuals who show up as individuals with their proposal, with their agenda, working with other politicians, other individuals who come. Because the moment you start with political parties, everybody's just going to back their guy, no matter if they are completely wrong or not. It won't matter. It will become a, almost like a sports team. And sure enough, that's exactly what happens, right? So yep. in that sense, is. So let's look at the why. To me, and tell me if it sounds crazy or reasonable, but to me, the reason why people are so addicted to this stuff is because it gives them a sense of identity. 
we give them a sense of this is who we are, these are our colors, this is our... Uh, much the way cult leaders are appealing or dictators are appealing because they give you a full package of dogmas and identity that inform your place in the world that gives you something to rather than you having to figure things out on your own to think on your feet look we have this prepackaged ideology that you can swallow whole and you are not going to have to be afraid anymore you are not going to have to be concerned about thinking yeah, life is hard. I don't know what to do about this. This is a tough. Am I making the right call or not? No, there's going to be a call to arms made by the supreme leader that give you this sense of identity. And again, then you never, as you said, you never have to think again because all the answers are, you know, mask, no mask. What does my team say? Okay, that we go with that one. Uh, is global warming real or not? What does my team say? We go with that. What's is, your thermostat say? Right. <laughs> <laughs> So see that seems inescapable, man. It's like it's like uh, like a Giants fan's going to become a Dodgers fan. These things cannot happen. They're locked in. And because in some way it's what's the alternative? If you don't do that, then it means that on a day-to-day base, you got to think on your feet. You got to consider: is this the right balance for this situation or not? You have to constantly make a judgment call. And because of the nature of life that's constantly changing, you have to adapt the judgment call on a day-to-day basis. That's a lot of work. And I think for many people, the appeal of having something that you can always fall back on and that there's always an easy reason why things don't work out according to plan is because of those guys who believe those other things instead. And they are the scapegoat. They are the evil ones who... We could all live in utopia if it wasn't for these bad guys who stand in the way with their stupid beliefs. I thought that was the Lord's fault because he's got the plan. <laughs> and they all do it with each other, right? So then it's like you got this thing going and it's just... Uh, it, makes, it makes finding solutions to anything hundred times more complicated than it needs to be. Is it because everything's on a global scale now? Back in the good old tribal days, I'm sure the same things happened and there were factions. Yeah, sure. But at the end of the day, when the Sabertooths came in... Yeah, and also you are sitting down and talking to people. Yes. You don't see them purely as a representative of ideology X. He's uh, Joe from next door, and he likes to play with puppies, and he's a good athlete, or whatever the fuck. And so you relate on some level. So you do uh, you do share that level of humanity, and then you have some ideological disagreements. And so you go like, "Hey, Joe, what what do you think? Can we go about it? I understand. I'm not gonna see you to your way, but can we find something that makes you happy enough and that works for me? Because I know you're not a dick, and you know you don't want me mad here next door all the time. How can we work this out? It's no guarantee, because <clears throat> humans are specialists in complicating shit, <sighs> but it certainly is easier to deal with than when it's a hard ideological div- divide where compromise is no longer possible. My suggestion... Not so much the solution, the actionable step, like what you do, because this is, you know, big level, mass amounts of people. What can an individual do about it? I think as an individual, as individuals, what we can do is take a look at uh, our beliefs, our way of relating to other people when they are informed by this factional thinking, by my team, your team, rather than uh, really thinking on your feet and trying to adjust what's ultimately is a balance i think that's where it's a healthy thing to do not to fall into the same just because everybody else is falling into the trap doesn't mean you should and and to really sit down and trying to resist falling into these hardline positions that are like do do or die you're putting your whole sense of self and meaning in life on making one choice or another and along with that, I think it, you know, taking a look at what "quote unquote" is the other side of any debate, and see if there's anything, even if it's one percent, if there's anything to be learned from that. It may not be a solution. Maybe their solutions suck. Maybe their ideas are terrible. But maybe the reason why they come up with those, with that anger, with that stuff, maybe there's something real there to work with, to try to understand. So I think that's where it gets interesting. 
I think you're going to end up with about 19 people that aren't on a side that are going to watch the rest of them go at yeah, it. Yeah, I mean, so that, sure. also, that really sounds impossible. But that's why I'm saying as at an individual level. Because, yeah. of oh, course, yes. I'm not expecting it at a mass social level that this is going to... It requires so much... It's the old-fashioned thing of, like, why do Taoists tell you, do you want to learn Taoism? Hell, no, just go study Confucianism. It's better for you. Because the problem is that to think in these terms, you have to be, I wouldn't say smart per se, but you need to be willing to... Um, constantly be questioning to resist those basic urges to hold on to a dogma for dear life forever to um to have a certain talent for balancing things out and be ready to change when the time calls for a ba- change in the balance to happen you know you need to be a surfer of ideas to constantly shift uh, depending where the waves are going and what's required in that one moment that's hard work that's not the way he's gonna. Most people are gonna sign up. Especially for. when the waves have been going the wrong way for forty years. Yeah. So it's. Um, I don't know. I, I think it's I would a, love to find a solution too, but yeah. I think people are so dug in. We are in a terrible spot right now. Yeah. That's why I spend my days uh, hugging my PlayStation, and uh, that was one of my moves. It's funny, like being. We are not even like the ultra old guys who remember the good old days. But, there were never good old days. But besides that, great. you know, I think about the changes in my life. Like I literally remember going to put uh, coins into a machine to play Pac-Man forever. And that was the most exciting thing ever. You imagine we put those quarters in the stock market in 1982. Yeah, that would have not been. <laughs> but, uh, but, you know, you look at video games today. Yeah. And it's a whole other universe, you know. If it gets any better, people are going to just disappear into video games and never be heard from again. Oh, it's, it's, already, a, it's already happening. Because it's a beautiful universe in there. Have you got the uh, Oculus? No, no, I haven't, I haven't gotten that far. No, I've been a Luddite for so long, you know. I took forever for... Back in the day, Elizabeth had convinced me to got a PlayStation 2, and I was like, no, it's a waste of money. I can't. And I finally started. I was like, yes, this is awesome. This is so fun. So is the PlayStation 5 already sitting in there? No, no. I But I did go for PlayStation 4 not so, not too long ago. Yep. And so I loaded up on um, one of my favorite, Far Cry Primal, because a game built on being a caveman 12,000 years ago is basically made for me. It's like, I finished the game. I still play it. I just go there because I like, that's the place. Look at the environment. I like you know, beat up some cannibals. Yeah, ride a saber to tiger, roam around uh, the forest, the lakes, and stuff. And that one's got some age on. It's like six years old. Is it? Well, it's, I go it's even beautiful though. I go even further in time because there's. Um, I've been checking out uh, the whole. Well, I checked it out back then. Like uh, somebody had it. I I spent like two days at somebody's house playing. Assassin Creed because I didn't have it, but now I do. So I got all a bunch of old Assassin Creed games. They are so fun. They made that movie. The movie was pretty fucking awful. Yeah, um, it looked good. It looked good, but it was really like even I that I'm into it. Yeah, I was bored because the story doesn't work that way when you don't get to press play. Yeah, it was. Oh, I just checked. No, Far Cry Primal is only 40 years old. Oh, okay. It's 2016, so not as bad. Feels like 14 years. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, right? But it's gorgeous and so well constructed and the world is for real. Yeah, that one. And Assassin's Creed to me is like, I really think that more people have learned history from Assassin's Creed than they have ever in school. <laughs> sure. Because, you know, you're immersed in that universe. You start picking up a few things here and there about what it means to be. Like, I love the, not just the big event stuff, but you see what a, this town would look like. You get a feel for the looks, the vibe, the energy, the streets, what it's like to walk in the streets is... Wait for Far Cry Caligula to come out. That's going to be interesting. but That'll uh, have to be in the immersive. Whereas Far Cry, Isabella liked it, but to a point. I think she was, maybe because it was her first more complicated video game, she was like, the controls, she wasn't so sure about it. A lot of buttons sometimes. When you're pointing that arrow while you're running, while you're... But when she started uh, Assassin's Creed, oh God, she was in love. 
she was like, wait, now my I shift identity into being some handsome Italian guy in the 1400s who's jumping from rooftops, uh, uh, killing bad guys and seducing hot women. This is kind of fun. Yeah. I was like, yeah. Who and, wouldn't uh, sign up for that? Yeah, that's not a bad <laughs> life. I would have to agree that that's... Uh, so that has been uh, part of my mental health therapy has been video games as of late. Wow, as we step further into the hologram. Yeah. The, I have to... I, I'm also using it as a horrendous crutch because I'm in that phase where... I've officially started writing the Caravaggio novel that I've wanted to do forever. Is it flowing? No. And uh, man, are, are you always that way? Oh yeah. Okay. I'm. For me, writing is an interesting experience. I don't know why I do it to myself. Because until I get to the point where you know, I tomorrow I'm gonna write, and you get down and you start cleaning the house and talking to people on the phone mm-hmm. and do. Oh look, there's clutter in the corner over there. And, I should clear and, that and, out. And then you start feeling a little bad about yourself. Mm-hmm. So tomorrow I'm going to write. You do something else. And and it goes enough days that you get to a point one night, or at least I get to a point one night. Nothing left? No, I'm just like, tomorrow, if you don't write tomorrow, you should officially kill yourself because you are the scum of the earth. I have nothing but pitiless scorn for you. You suck. And then that usually is good enough motivation that the next day I'll finally get to write. But, you know, it's not exactly the most fluid process ever. I need to have this, otherwise I'll find every excuse in the world if I don't have uh, this. And so in light of that, I picked up again that Stephen Pressfield book, uh, The War of Art. Man, it seems so real. It is so real. I've read it many times, and it's always correct. I figured all this pandemic, all this time, I'm going to finally get them songs out. Yeah. No, fucking one. There was a line at the beginning that's so good. Uh, I'm paraphrasing because I don't have it in front of me, but it's something along the lines of uh, Hitler found it easier to start World War II than uh, he so did. Look at the blank canvas. Face a <laughs> black square of canvas. <laughs> yes. Um, I know. Why is it that way? Yeah, what do you think? What's the source of resistance i used to I, I used to like to blame the muse and she's not pouring it through me but i've found like my, my two best times of songwriting were like a couple of year periods when i had a collaborator that we just it just worked right and it worked like crazy and it was like cannot cannot reproduce it do you think it's because you had somebody else that you had to be accountable to so it wasn't so much as accountable it's almost just like that was the secret mix that mm. he was great on guitar and melodies and, and lyrics could just pour out at that point. Right. But to do both. I find it easier, to be honest, when I'm accountable to somebody rather than being on my own in my own head saying, get it done. Yeah. To have something that at such, such time, so-and-so is going to call or is going to show up and we have to make it happen. No, no, no. I, ab- absolutely. The, the procrastinator, I think yeah. that's a different person. Right. That's, like, especially like editing shit. Right. Eh, eh. Tomorrow. What? Tomorrow. Yeah. They need it tomorrow at 10. Uh oh! Right, but then zoom. Yeah, you know, of course. Because other than that, I'll happily play some more goddamn solitaire. Yeah, or whatever. If I do what is asked. Yeah, but that's interesting. It's like, why the hell? It's a sickness, man. Do we do it? Because then, when you sit down to do it, it's really not that bad. But there's no. this resistance to just sitting down and making it happen, well, especially that's... when you're being told what to do. Even if you're God not, forbid. I mean, I know. even in a case like this, is like I'm doing it to myself. Yeah. Nobody's expecting no, it. I don't absolutely. have a contract for a book. I don't have anything. You mm-hmm. know, it's me wanting to do it. Mm-hmm. That's probably even worse. Yeah, but then I clearly don't, and I'm looking for yeah. Let's play eight more hours of Assassin Creed instead. Let's, anything, uh, anything, anything. Absolutely. Let's go pick the dirt out of the crevices of the bricks. Yep. And no. The resistance is real. Yeah. And it must be in place for a reason to keep us in a, a, a terrible state or I don't know why. I, I do feel I think that. resistance may be dark energy. I mean, I also do. <laughs> yeah, right. That could be. There may be, for me at least, there may be other reasons. But I think one for me is that there's that fear of failure. Whereas if you say that um, if you don't get something done because you didn't start, 
well, that's not really a fail. That's, oh, shit got in the way. A, a failure to uh, ignite. It's way worse in reality, but psychologically feels like I didn't take my shot and failed. I just didn't take my shot. Whereas if you take your shot and failed, all you can say is, oh, damn, I really failed. There's no, oh, I would have done, you know, there's, he removes the alibi of, I would have written the greatest book ever. It's just that life got busy or I would retired. have uh, done this. No, is you go out, you took your shot and you missed and you got to live with that. Now, of course, it's a hundred times better in reality than not taking your shot. Yes. But I think there's such a fear of facing yourself and realizing, huh, I'm not as good as I thought I was or huh. Um, that didn't go so well. Yeah, oh, man, I wanted it so bad. And it's almost like, you know, when you are really into somebody and you don't want to walk up to talk to that beautiful woman because what if she turns you down? Well, you're already not with her. It's not going to get any worse than it is right now. So if you really badly want to get to know her and you're not at the moment, sitting in a corner is not going to be any better. The worst that can happen is that you're back to the state where you're at now. And maybe a little slap on the cheek, which would be nice anyway, because at least it's human <laughs> contact yes. of some kind. Boy, that's funny, man. That is crazy. John Prine passed away a little while ago, songwriter extraordinaire, mm -hmm. and he wrote us a song as he was uh, passing away knowing he was going to die. Right. And he says, when I get to heaven, I'm going to have me a cocktail of a vodka and a ginger ale. I'm going to smoke a cigarette that's nine miles long. <laughs> nine miles long. But then comes the best line, because I do love the idea of the nine yeah. mile long cigarette, because I'm having one of those myself when I get there. Um, I'm going to kiss that pretty girl on the tilt whirl because some things you just might get wrong. Yep. Yep, yep, And yep. we were talking earlier about those missed opportunities, the insanity yep. of talking yourself out of a sure thing. Absolutely, absolutely. What and, the fuck is wrong with us? And, and I really think there's a degree that once you step up, whatever stepping up means, whether it is a step up because uh, you write what you've always wanted to work on or you talk to the person you're attracted to or you do something daring where you, whatever that may be, right? But when you do something that's meaningful to you but that kind of scares you, once you do that, there's no, there are no alibis anymore. Then they're just an outcome. And the outcome is if it's not what you wanted, you're always going to think, man, what could I have done different? Or is it just, do I just suck? Do I just, why do I keep on, I tried these, I failed, I tried that, I failed, I tried. All of that is acceptable over never trying. Absolutely. So However, I'm with you. No, the, believe I, I me, nobody that, knows better than me at right. this point about taking a swing at a big thing and just, it just didn't go. Yeah. I spent 15 years. It happens. And it just didn't go. It, that's, but that's the gig is at least there's none of the regret. Of exactly. The, I think though, I don't know what it is about human psyche, but there's something there that makes it easier for us to have the thought of, I could have, and I really tried versus I tried and it didn't work. Somehow there's something there that even though we say, you know, there's so much about, oh, you know, the, it's better to shoot and miss than it is not to shoot at all. Totally true. But it doesn't feel that way psychologically inside. I Otherwise, why, the resistance wouldn't be is? real. I think because then uh, you don't have an alibi anymore. You don't have the option to say you can't hold on to your sense of value the same way if you feel that you keep missing over and over and then you look at yourself and sometimes you may be extra harsh on yourself at that point in a way that sometimes you know missing a shot after shot sometimes there are other circumstances that you know you did your best but there's Certainly. there are many other factors at play that are not really reflective of you're a good or bad human being but it doesn't feel that way you know it feels like it's a, the outcome will tell me who i am the outcome will tell me what my value is. And you don't want to find out because you are afraid to find out that you're not as cool as you thought you were. And so it's like, hey, let's play video. Let's do something else. Let's not go there because, you know, it's like same as performance anxiety. Why is it that some people who are phenomenal at something, you know, maybe are a great singer. Yeah. But you step up and you absolutely hate singing in front of people. Why? You're good. We all know you're good. You know you're good. But there's something in there that makes you think, 
not really. Maybe there's something in me that's not quite it. That happened to that guy. Um, do you remember the band XTC? XTC back uh-huh. in the day? They, sort of like a, it was just sort of like pop jangly stuff, but they wrote several great songs. Dear God was their big one. And a man couldn't get on stage. Yeah. I don't know if you rem- I don't remember them, but do you remember Mazzy Star? Oh, yeah. Mazzy Star, Hope Sandoval was a great don't singer. Even, wait a minute. I might need a moment. Yeah. Yes, I know exactly. You had your about. mental image of Hope Sandoval, yeah. yes. That Do you remember in, the way she would into, sing? Oh yeah, she'd have her arm behind her back, she'd look down. She the looked that she never look up. She's looking straight at her feet the whole time. Yeah. She has a poster that basically said, Dear God, please stop looking at me. I wanna just hide in my corner and hug my teddy bear. She was made to be looked at. And she was a phenomenal singer Mm -hmm. you know and you could tell that each performance was torture for her and it's like why you're good everybody get it that you're good you probably hear it a hundred times a day how good you are and it still doesn't convince something inside that's telling her you're gonna step up everybody's gonna look at you and they're all gonna laugh and think you suck and you're gonna feel really horrible about yourself there's a concert because that guitarist he died a few months ago yeah um, there's a concert from like 2012 mm-hmm. where she's definitely more mature, but she's actually smiling and looking out at the audience. Oh my performed. God. Yeah. I'm going to find it and send it to you. What happened? I don't know. I think she grew up and got over it. Wow. But that shy thing that used to be, oh Lord, have mercy. You know, that song Fade Into You is regarded by many as the end of that whole era of music. Right. That everything we had from the mid eighties to that point, that was the farewell as the grunge took over and hip hop took over and we dropped into our stasis of nothing new anymore. Wow. Okay. And that was 1994, I think that song came out. Okay. That's a different, that was that long ago? Yeah. Wow. Can't believe it. I'm going to play that video in a minute and remind you exactly how she stood. But yeah, it's... Uh, Lord have mercy. Hope Sandoval. My goodness. The human psyche is... Uh, Strange landscape. To I can't say even the focus least. right now. I'm thinking of other things. You are very into Hope Sandoval, I say. Fantastic. Yeah, those brunettes uh, make me crazy. I don't remember her so well. I remember the weird posture and shy vibe. I remember her voice. I don't remember her look as well. I don't know, man. Between what we are saying, the obviously stupid addiction to ideology the human being seems to be drawn to. Yep. The ridiculously dumb giving in to this resistance that we all know it doesn't serve anybody, just damages you and it still feels better than stepping up and taking a shot. And then when you do take a shot, you're like, oh, it wasn't so bad, except the next day you're going to hide again from taking yeah. a shot. And so oh, the, like, then the reviews were rolling. Right. Or, <laughs> oh, you know what I found? Oh, this is funny. When I was in Italy and I was going through my stuff at my dad's house, trying to figure what I bring to US, what's left to go and all of that. I ran into something. I think it was my first attempt at a novel when I was 14 years old. Oh, wow. And then uh, I wrote a good chunk. I wrote, I don't know, 50 pages, 60 pages, something like that. And then eventually I abandoned it because I didn't have the stamina for it. But um, Was it a Conan adventure? No, it was a 1960s uh, basketball player turning Black Panther story. Wow. It had a strange, uh, yeah, it was... That's fun, but um, one thing that really made me laugh is that I wrote my own review. Oh. So I had this own review where I was just tearing myself apart, right? Really? I was just... He should not be allowed to touch a typewriter ever again. Let me find it. Yeah, yeah. We must have this. Right, so we've been searching through the archives, but here it is. Yes, I'm back. We this is the, the review seconds. on the unfinished novel yes. by the author. Yes. I'm going to keep in mind, I'm reading it in Italian, so I'm going to do a simultaneous translation as I on the fly, so the English may not be the smoothest thing ever. And I'm going to cut it because it's a little long. I'm just going to go through it. It appears for the to be highlight. 19 pages of. But I basically just 
trash myself. I, at the beginning, it talks about, you know, da 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 da, this is the plot of uh, the first and we hope last book by 14 year old <laughs> Daniele Bonelli. <laughs> then it goes uh, in. Um, the story is set in the 1960s and it just smells horrendously presumptuous what Bolelli is trying to do. Not only he talks freely about a period of time that he has never lived, but he describes it to the eyes of uh, an African-American lead character, something that clearly is uh, beyond his expertise and the way he does it is so pathetic that it's, it's sad to witness. Uh, he goes on, he goes on, blah, blah, blah. What does he say? The only consolation is that the book, being relatively short, ends quickly. And considering <laughs> the commercial success that is, uh, that is meeting its release, um, Bolelli will hopefully forget about novels and dedicate himself to something else. Wow. Yeah. I'm not exactly sure why I did it, but, um, but yeah, it was interesting to say the least. Resistance is futile. Yes, right. I mean, in that sense, I turned it into comedy, so it became fun for me to do it. But it was—I was kind of voicing probably every little self-doubt I had and just putting it on paper myself. Oh like, my you're not gonna tell me anything that I've already told to myself. You think you think I suck? Wait until you see what I think about yeah, myself. Yeah, let's let an expert take a shot at yes. that real quick. Yeah. Oh my god. What is wrong with us creatures? I don't know. There's. Uh, did you ever see the movie with Keanu Reeves? Um, who, by the way, m- more and more every year, Keanu emerges as the true... Uh, thespian of our times? Yes. He should, not just thespian. I, I'm all in favor of Keanu for dictator of the universe. He's, He's a, just, just a pleasant, fine fella. Who, yeah. He's awesome. Yeah. I agree. But there was a movie, I forget the title. He was playing a coach for like a ghetto little league baseball thing. And he was he was forced into it because he was a compulsive gambler who had major gambling debts. And one way to pay it off was to... Coach the team and yeah, throw the games? Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> he was doing terrible things. And, and there's a scene at one point where some of the guys that he owes money to are like looking for him and they catch him. And he's cornered and he just dive head first into a glass and just essentially knock him and he's bleeding from everywhere and these guys who are ready to beat him up are looking at me at him like what the fuck and he looks at them and he's like you think you can you can kick my ass nobody kicks my ass as well as i do <laughs> <laughs> and i was like yeah i can relate i see that i don't think i've seen that one it's great it's um i um i couldn't watch the john zwick ones um, too many headshots I, I I can't I don't know what's happening to me like super violent stuff I just can't stomach it anymore yeah it bothers you it I, seems like in the past couple of years a new sort of trick I guess they taught it to all the, the, the on location guys is the blood pool that unfurls from the head oh I see I it see. seems like every you know, that, that used to not be in the movie to me and that, that, seems like every that kind movie. of violence is so cartoonish doesn't bother me I don't like watching faces get blasted open. Yeah, that doesn't bother me. But yesterday I was reading this description of like this kind of no holds barred fighting that was popular in the South in the 17 and 1800s. Eye gouges allowed? Eye gouges allowed, uh, testicle ripping and biting. And the average fight was... That's not fighting anymore. No, exactly. (laughs) But, But I mean, there's a degree of like flat out... Whatever. Anything I mean, goes. You do that to somebody who is your worst enemy in yeah. life. Somebody who killed your grandma. More, exactly, exactly. You know, how the hell do you do that to somebody else because you have a disagreement on whose horse is faster? You know. Oh, oh this wasn't even for no, a gamble or no, a bet. No, they would or... just get into a, some drunk, regular and having your standard drunken fight. They would be like, okay. We do the no holds barred one. Yeah, let's go. And they would rip each other's eyes out, bite pieces of each other's face off, and doing stuff that you're like, wait, what? Now, that disturbed me. And I was just reading the description, and I was like... MMA 2024 has already been written. Because it felt so just evil. You know, when I look at violence in movies, it feels so not real. You know, it doesn't have that emotional content. It's purely like... Whereas these had 
add an emotional side. It's like, who the hell would want to do this to another human being unless they are literally the person who murdered your entire family? Yeah, that doesn't make any sense. What the hell? So, And this was a thing? Yeah, that was a thing. It was, you say, late 1800s? Uh, no, I think earlier 1800s. Um, Pre-Civil War. Yeah, like... Well, they were all angsty back then. They needed... 1700s, 1800s, but yeah, that was a thing. That was, after Antietam, not a problem anymore. Jesus. But, oh, by the way, I found the title of the Keanu Reeves movie. It's called The Hardball, 2001. Wow, 20 years. Yep. It's kind of sad, but really good movie. No, I love Keanu. I think he does great. Yeah. There's a new Matrix movie coming out. Is there? You know, I couldn't get past the first one. I watched the first one. I liked the first one. I the hated second, the second that was like, one. Come on. What are we doing here? And I was actually... I remember going to see the third one just because. Yeah. And I had shit to do at work. I spent the whole time going, I could have been accomplishing yeah. things yeah, at work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, 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 the Matrix 3 is anti-resistance. Yeah. So if you need to get shit done, we put are on Matrix watch 3. And be like, like five minutes in, you'd be like, you know what? I got to type some shit because I can't imagine wasting oh, two hilarious. hours of my valuable oh, life hilarious. watching. We solved something. <laughs> yes. All right, everybody, go home, watch Matrix 3. You'll get about 19 minutes into it, and you'll be like, why? And you'll go accomplish amazing things. I think in a few months, there will be the number of must. The great uh, sculpture, art, painting, poetry, all of it. The great 2021 Renaissance, and it's all because they all listened to Rich said, when you are hitting a uh, creative block, watch The Matrix 3, and they are all going to create something phenomenal rather than witness that. Watching the first one, the first was a really good movie. It was surprising, that twist, it had everything, it was phenomenal. And then... I went to watch the second all excited and I walked I never even watched the third. I was no, like There's no reason no, to. I'm just done. glutton for punishment. Yes. Yeah. Trying to find some resistance. Yeah. <laughs> there was none there. The slippery inverse. Indeed. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of terrible ultraviolence, there's a show called The Boys and it's about corporatized superheroes. Okay. Who they are supposed to be upstanding and Homelander is like this Superman. He's got all the Superman powers like that. But when he comes across a gigantic, like, 10,000, 20,000 protest group, right? he cuts them all in half with his laser vision. Jesus. That sounds cheerful. See, that's ultraviolet right there. Yeah. It's just like, what? And not so much for me. I can close my eyes. I yeah. close one eye, so only half my brain <laughs> has to, has to process it. it. But there's eight-year-olds watching that shit. Yeah, yeah, of course. And that worries me more than anything. Right. To be desensitized from the... Um, and then when they find the porn at 10? Yeah. It's a tricky combination. It's terrible. It's too much information. Yeah. Which really are, which I never thought I would think, but I really think we've reached a point where we're encountering things at such a young age that we never should be somebody, encountering these things. Somebody sent me, I don't remember what site it was, but somebody sent me like a porn clip of a scene from a female-friendly porn. Uh-huh. And I got to say, it was like 100 times better than standard porn. Oh, I bet it was. Because it was just good, hot sex. Nothing else. It wasn't weird. It didn't have these... Uh, Choking and yeah, mangling and... Weird. Take it, you bitch. Yeah. And yeah. I was like, okay, this is kind of so much healthier. You know? That was like, okay, that's there's zero problem with that one. Yeah, and some of the other stuff is a little disturbing. That was like, oh, this is kind of cool. I got no problem with the ladies taking over for a little while. Yeah, because honestly, that taste to me is like, yeah, that's kind of what it's always about. It's about good, hot hot people having hot sex. That's good. Is the other stuff that goes with it, with the porn territory, that's often so twisted and weird and just... Well, I, I never understood mm-hmm. if you're not in it, to get your lady off as hard as she possibly can so that yeah. the top of her head pops off, what are you really bothering? Yeah, it's odd. I really feel that way. It really has a semi-rapist vibe to totally it. Totally does. Just, oh, she's drunk back behind cool. the dumpster. Look what I got. Yeah, it's Or the very Bill awful. Cosby shit was just insanity. I have no idea why you wouldn't want a partner that's fully engaged to the point where, in my old age, I've realized if she's not down, we'll get there another day. Yeah, and that's also something where I feel 
that's how it should be, right? It's yes. Like, it wasn't even like it's not prudish or it's not weird or is what it is is it has just uh, the cop this man and the woman got into it. They start kissing. It's actually they seem into each other. There's this energy that's building up where it's like, oh, this is actually resemble real life. Mm-hmm. It's not like typical porn that has really very little to do with real sexuality. You know, it's it's odd. It's interesting. But in any case, we're going all over the place. We should probably wish the good folks a good day um, before we open too many rabbit holes and get lost in all of them. Did we check everything off the list? We, I think we check everything off the list and we are good to wish. Any last thing you want to throw out there? No. I um, Sweet. I was in a bad mood when I got in here, but I always leave in a good mood. Just victory. It's, it's great to have a good friend to chat with. We can do our uh, bi-weekly therapy this way. It's better than uh, watching the news. Well, and also it's 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 always fun to realize that the same shit that you go through, so many other like the resistant thing is like it's how many worse. times you just feel like an idiot and are by yourself thinking yep. nobody else can be as stupid as I am or in doing waste this. as much time uh, or yeah. just. It's a tough gig, man. Yeah. But it sure is fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's a uh, great planet. Yep. I'm absolutely. sure there's way worse places to be. But that's why I think once you realize that is you have your own peculiarities, but you're not, it's not just you, Yeah. then a level of humor kicks into this. It becomes almost funny because can you believe what I did rather than I suck? I'm, I'm the only terrible. one yeah. no one would ever understand. Yeah, yeah precisely. We'll, we'll leave it right there, everybody. See you next time. Cool. You guys have a great one. Well, the funky music means one thing. That's the end of another fine, eclectic episode of the Drunken Dallas Podcast. Yeah, we're all over the place and it was fun. Yep, we swerved. I liked it. I forgot to, uh, we have been forgetting for a while to give a nod of thanks to Daisy House for letting us use the music. Always appreciated. Absolutely. I love that, you know, has been with us since the beginning pretty much. It's iconic at this point. It is beautiful. And um, everything else we said up front, so we won't bug you by repeating too much. Anything else you want to mention? I would just say, I know this is going to be a tough holiday for a lot of people, so... Don't go visit everybody. Hang out with those close to you. Be happy that they're there. And, you know, hopefully next year will be better. I dig it. Everybody, have a wonderful day. Bye. Switch. D-B-O-L-E-L-L-I. Good shit. R-I-C-H-I-M-O-N and the numeral one. And so ends another awesome episode of the Drunken Dows Podcast. Be sure to keep your ears peeled for another mind-expanding episode coming soon. We'll be tweeting you as they come out. You can keep track of Daniele at D-Bolelli. That's D-B-O-L-E-L-L-I. And you can find me on Twitter at RichieMon1. R-I-C-H-I-M-O-N and the numeral one. We'll see you all soon. Woo! No, you don't. In questo caso, in questo caso, le provvidenza di Dio. Duncan showed you the way, yeah? Oh man, isn't that scary to think? Nice. So don't kill people, do that instead. <laughs> this was great. It's fucking awesome. And I love this conversation. I have nothing against chicken other than the fact that they are ugly and weird and strange. We've been yeah, having a great hour nice. here. Dun, dun, dun. I completely got lost. Are we doing the outro or the intro? We're outro. Oh, we're outro. Okay, sorry. So that's. <laughs>
<laughs> so let's continue. Did you ever see the movie Tombstone with uh, Val Kilmer and... Uh, uh, your accent, it just... Whatever that movie is you were trying to tell can me you about... Can you translate for me, please? I believe the word was Tombstone. Yeah, that one, exactly. <laughs> just as I was saying, you know, Tombstone. <laughs> now, most everybody thought... <coughs> Sorry. Well... <coughs> We'll do a cut on there. Or not. That was something else. <laughs> no, that's maybe too powerful. <laughs> what do I have to do? One day the rod shall teach you. Get back to work. Funky. Podcasting. It's like radio, but you can cuss. I'm 50 now. Can you fucking believe that? <laughs> I was melancholy about it for like a good month. Like, uh. But I think I was more worried about dying at 49. <laughs> <laughs> so making it to 50. Making it to 50 is like, fuck it. I think Louis C.K. may be a monster, but he had a great line. No one, there's no candlelight vigils for somebody over 50. <laughs> he had his chance. Wow!